Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, we'll talk about how the banning of the shift might affect a guy like Miguel Rojas, who puts the ball in play a lot. We'll talk about Daniel Hudson maybe not being ready for the start of the season. Talk a little bit about Kike Hernandez pooping his pants. So much stuff to talk about on this episode. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time with us. I am Jeff Snyder, my co-host, Vince Semperio. We are doing a split episode today, so it'll be me for the first half, Vince for the second half. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And speaking of get started, let's get started. A uh, lot to talk about. I only have, you know, about 15 minutes. I get half of this episode and already use a minute and 38 seconds of it talking about the intro. So let's jump right in. A uh, couple little things that I just want to start off with. Uh, one thing, I'm not going to spend much time on it, but in Wednesday's game, Dodgers spring training game, Gavin Stone was pitching. I was excited to watch Gavin Stone anyway. Gavin Stone is a pitching prospect I am more excited about than I've been about a pitching prospect in a long time. I'm excited about Bobby Miller too. Uh, I, I expect Bobby Miller to end up being a little bit better than Gavin Stone. Something about Gavin Stone just really, really excites me. So I was very excited to watch him pitch. I've never seen him pitch before. I've seen video clips of like pitches here and there, but I've never actually watched him while he was pitching. And uh, it was a lot of fun. But my favorite thing, uh, he was, uh, there was a, a guy, I can't remember the name of the guy. I, I tweeted about it and uh, I tweeted his name at the time. So uh, it, it's some rookie who nobody's ever heard of. He was up to bat and and Stone had him in an 0-2 or 1-2 count. And uh, this guy stepped out of the batter's box. And with the new pitch clock rules, batters are allowed to step out one time and only one time in an at-bat. And so once Stone got the ball back, or he had the ball, once the batter got back in, Stone knew he can't step out again. So Stone got on, on the rubber and came set. And uh, there, there were runners on base, so it was a 20-second clock. He, he gets set with about, you know, he, he starts to get set about 17 seconds, fully set by the time there's about 14 seconds left on the clock. And and I'm watching with my son at the time. And I actually, I, I noticed, oh, he's so far, he has so much time left on the clock. The guy can't step out. And, and you know, the reason that batters step out of the box is always because the pitcher's taking too long. And so it's like, well, this guy's stuck. And so I, I said to my son, like at the 14 second mark, I said, if I was stone, I would just hold that ball as long as I could. And then that's exactly what Gavin Stone did. And part of it that I loved was that I, I had the idea um, and not that Gavin Stone stole the idea from me. And that's not what I'm saying. Just, you know, when you, when you think of something and then it happens, it's, it's kind of fun, but it was just so much like, I don't, it's just one of those little things. I, I used to be a pitcher and I loved playing mind games with hitters. And so Gavin Stone held the ball in the set position, come set, ready to pitch from 14 seconds on the clock down to one second. And then he pitched. Struck the dude out on a wicked changeup. His, his changeup is ridiculous. It's not a. There's not much 
horizontal movement to it. It's mostly just vertical. It almost moves like a, like a 12, six curveball. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, oh, it was fun. I like Gavin Stone. I'm excited about that. That's all I want to say about that. Uh, another thing that I just want to talk about briefly, Kike Hernandez and Justin Turner, both former Dodgers, both now on the Red Sox. They did a little thing on the Red Sox Twitter uh, about, they, they were like answering fan questions, pulling them randomly out of, have, out of a hat or something. And uh, Justin Turner asked a question to Kike Hernandez. What's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you on a baseball field? And uh, Kike's answer, I, I don't know if it really fits because it wouldn't have been embarrassing because nobody knew about it until now. But it was kind of embarrassing to Kike. Um, but Kike told a story about during the 2020 NLDS when he had a tooth infection. So he's on antibiotics. And one of the potential side effects of the antibiotics was diarrhea. And uh, if you don't like diarrhea stories, skip ahead 30 seconds. Uh, anyway, Kike uh, was DHing that game. So he's in the dugout while the Dodgers are out on defense. And a big play happened, and Kike celebrated and, you know, hooted and hollered and uh, got so excited that he thought he passed gas. Uh, and then he was leading off the next inning. He went out there. He struck out, came back in the dugout, went, immediately went in the bathroom and discovered that he had passed something other than gas. Uh, and, uh, and and Justin Turner said, so you're saying you misjudged a fart? And Kike said, no, I'm saying I sh- my pants. Um so it was funny, but me being the person I am, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can find that, find what play it was that made Kike poop himself. And I did. It was game one of the 2020 NLDS against the Padres. Dustin May, star of the game, uh, was going through. It was the sixth inning and uh, about to get through six innings. It was really uh, an exciting moment for for Dustin May. I guess he didn't start the game. No, he he came in later in the game. Sorry. Uh, but it, it's the sixth inning. They're about to get through the sixth inning in a one-to-one tie. And uh, Dustin May strikes out Will Myers on three pitches. And the last pitch strikes him out. And if you watch the video, if you, I tweeted out a video uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, you can go find it. Um, and you can actually hear somebody say, right after Will Myers swings him in, you can hear somebody say, F yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's Dustin May. I don't know if it's Kike in the, in the dugout or somebody else. But uh that was the play because then Kike let off. It's the only at bat he had in that uh, in that series that matched the criteria he said. He said he was DHing. He said he let off the inning and struck out. That's the only at bat. So that was the big moment was Dustin May striking out Will Myers that made Kike Hernandez poop his pants. Uh, sorry, the 30-second skip might not have been enough, but I promise I am done talking about pants pooping now. Um, and then last thing I'm going to talk about in this segment uh, Dave Roberts said on Thursday that Daniel Hudson might not be ready for the start of the season. Uh, the ankle injury that he had early in spring, it's not that's not really a concern anymore. It's more still the knee. It's still only been about eight months since Hudson had his ACL surgery. Eight months is about the recovery time. So really, it's just about getting built up. And I'm suspecting that it's even more about bullpen roster management. You know, Vince talked yesterday about all the different pitchers. Like there's at least a dozen guys fighting for the eight bull or the eight bullpen spots available. And like realistically, seven of them are locked up uh, if everybody's healthy. So you've got like five guys fighting over one spot. Um, and uh, the Dodgers, it, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, they, they might want to limit Hudson's innings a little bit this year anyway, between his age, he's going to be 36 next week and coming off the ACL injury. So if you're going to be limiting his innings anyway, maybe you kill two birds with one stone by starting the season on the injured list, let the, the bullpen battle between the other guys play out a little bit more, uh, 
Vince mentioned they could do the same thing with Jimmy Nelson. Uh, he could start the season on the injured list just because, you know, they, they could easily say he's not quite ready physically or whatever, extended spring training, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I could p- definitely picture the Dodgers using the IL for roster management when it comes to the bullpen because, you know, there's guys who don't have options, so you can't send them down. And if you still want to get a better look at somebody. So uh, Dave Roberts didn't say for sure that, that Hudson won't be ready for the start of the season, but he said they're preparing for the possibility that he won't be. Uh, and, and so he, he had a lot of other stuff good to say. He said he's progressing really well. His bullpen looks great. So if you didn't know about the knee and the ankle, you would never know it to watch him pitch, spinning the ball well. All, everything sounds good. It's just a matter of getting ready and possibly a matter of roster management. Uh, so I'm going to come back in just a minute. I'm going to talk about Miguel Rojas and whether his uh, propensity for putting the ball in play will help him with the shift being banned. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you've got to try a Built Bar. I've told you all about Built Bar. I love these things. I love the Built Puffs, especially the Cookie Dough Chunk Built Puffs, which I believe are available right now on Built.com. I got a text message the other day saying they were, so unless they've sold out already. uh, But I got mine. Hopefully you get yours or already got them, Uh, you know, if you're trying to eat healthier, which we all are, uh, Built Bar is a great way to do it because it's healthy. It's a healthy snack that tastes delicious, satisfies your cravings, but isn't bad for you. It's low fat, low sugar, uh, low calorie, high protein, uh, all, all the good lows, all the good highs, everything you want in a snack, and it's delicious. And the best part is you don't have to order online anymore. You still can, but you don't have to because you have a Walmart or a Sam's Club nearby. If you go down there, you can buy them in person. I've been able to buy them in person at your grocery store for a long time because I live six miles from the, the factory where they're made. But you don't, probably. Do you live in my house? Logan, is this you? Son, go to bed. Uh, but for the rest of you, now you can just go down to Walmart or Sam's Club, buy a Built Bar anytime you want or a box of them, whatever you want to do. So whether you're going to order online or you're going to go to Walmart or Sam's Club, just go get yourself some delicious, healthy Built Bars and you can thank me later. All right, I am back. I want to thank you for making Locked on Dodger your first listen every weekday morning. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd love to hear from you in the YouTube comments section, uh, even if it's a weird form of poetry that tells me that my venomous mouth is full of lies. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through social media or email or phone number. Vince will give you all the contact info at the end like he always does. Last thing I want to talk about today is uh, Dave Roberts talked a little bit about uh, Miguel Var- Miguel Rojas. Sorry, man. So many Miguels. And Robert struggles with that too, especially now that they are the starting middle infield. Um, but he, somebody asked him earlier this week, Robert said that they think that Miguel Rojas can be a little bit better the hitter than he's been in his career. They think there's some things they can unlock. Uh, somebody on Thursday, I think it was Jack Harris of the LA Times, I think I recognize the voice, asked Roberts for specifics. Uh, he said, anything with Rojas swing you're trying to change this spring? Uh, When you look at where he was offensively last year, do you attribute a lot of it to the hand and wrist injury he was battling? How do you lock more from him at the plate? And Roberts, his answer was interesting. He said, I think there's some of that, the hand and the wrist. I think there's a little bit of understanding count leverage and using the lower half to move the baseball a little bit more. He has the bat to ball, always had it. He has a two-strike approach that's already kind of baked into who he is. But when you get count leverage, you can take some shots. But I do believe with the lack of the shift, the ball in play is going to benefit him a lot. 
And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about that, that concept of the, the ball and play helping a guy like Rojas. There are three things that aren't susceptible to the shift. They're what we call the three true outcomes, home runs, walks, and strikeouts. And uh, coincidentally, those are the three things that Miguel Rojas hardly ever does. He hardly ever homers. He hardly ever walks and he hardly ever strikes out. Very low strikeout rate, very low walk rate, obviously a low home run rate. And that means he's putting the ball in play a lot. And with the, the shift restrictions, there are going to be more holes in the infield uh, for him to, for, for balls in play to get through. The whole point of limiting the shift, eliminating the shift, was to increase offense. And a guy like Rojas, who puts the ball in play a lot, it's like tailor-made for him. The, the big question becomes, so I, I guess I should say, I expect his batting average to go up some just because of the banning of the shift. But the big question becomes, can he hit the ball hard? Last year, his hard hit percentage was the lowest it's been since 2018. It was only 27.1% last year. The the two years before that, 2020 and 21, it was combined 32.8%. So 5.7% better. Uh, that's that's a big deal when you're talking about how often you hit the ball hard. So if the Dodgers can help him, and that's kind of what Roberts is talking about with the leverage, the using the or the leverage counts, knowing when to go for it. You know, you, you can swing harder in a in a two and zero count than you can in an zero and two count because you don't in a two and zero count you don't necessarily have to put the bat on the ball. And a guy like Rojas, it's built into him. He, I'm going to put the bat on the ball. Well, sometimes you can swing especially if you're a guy with the back control like Rojas has, where he doesn't swing and miss much, he can afford to go two and one if he swings out of his heels and, and swings and misses, or even not swinging out of his heels, but just saying, okay, my goal here, I want to hit a double to the left center field gap instead of, I just want to put the bat on the ball. You know, say, I want to hit the ball hard this time. And if you swing and miss, okay, you know, you, you're fine. Rojas has such good back control. He can handle giving away a strike once in a while and the trade-off could be hitting the ball harder. So if the Dodgers can help him hit the ball harder and the shift can help him find more holes, I could easily see. So last year he bet at 236. But the year before that it was 265. Year before that 304. Year before that 284. So from 2019 through 2021 combined, 1,200 plate appearances, his batting average was 277. And uh, if the Dodgers can help him with this stuff and the shift, I can see him getting higher than that. I can see him being 280 to 290. And if he's 280 to 290, uh, especially if he knocks a couple home runs, you know, a couple more doubles, uh, he's a decent doubles hitter. He averaged 23 doubles a year during those three years. And one of those years was the shortened season. So like he can hit 30 doubles in a season. If he can get that to 35, put up 10 home runs and bat 280 to 290, like suddenly you're like, yeah, it's still probably going to be a little bit of offensive drop off from what we would have expected from Lux, but it might not be as drastic as we thought. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting that Roberts brought up the shift because, you know, I I understand the reason for the shift. I, I've known that intellectually, but I hadn't thought about how it might apply specifically to a guy like Rojas who just doesn't walk and doesn't strike out. He just puts the ball in play all the time. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Rojas has what looks to be a resurgent season when really it's just a combination of hitting the ball a little bit harder and the shift being banned. That's going to do it for me but not for the episode. Vince is coming, you know, he's got uh, plenty to talk about. He's going to talk a little bit about uh, Cody Bellinger and some comments from his agent, Scott Boris. Uh, going to talk about uh, Dave Roberts.
going on the Dan Patrick show, the ill-fated Dan Patrick show from last year. He did it again, but he didn't do it again. So uh, stick around to listen to Vince. Thank you for listening to me, and Vince will be along in a minute. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores to threes drained. You can bet player props, how many points someone's going to score, how many assists they're going to get, how many blocks they're going to get, how many rebounds they're going to get. And they've got even exclusive bets like the two-by-three, which is two three-pointers in the first three minutes of a game. And Fando lets you combine some of those bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to Fando.com slash locked on. That's Fando.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, Vince here to close out the episode. And real quick before I get into Scott Boris on Cody Bellinger and Dave Roberts on Dan Patrick, uh, another note on Miguel Rojas that Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff touched on him maybe being better offensively. But another thing is that he withdrew from the World Baseball Classic to focus on what is now a, essentially a starting role with the Dodgers. He knew he was going to be coming off the bench for Venezuela. So he wanted to make sure he got consistent at bats and had to pull himself out. He said, if the opening, if opening or a starting role on Venezuela does open up, then maybe he'll, he'll end up joining them. Uh, there's still about a week before they, they start playing, but yeah, just, you know, a, a, for a guy like him who this could be his last world baseball classic, just based on age and, and how everything is, uh, you know, huge sacrifice in his end. You know, a lot of these these players want to play for their countries and, and, you know, are prideful of playing for the countries. And for him to step back from that, realize the situation he's in, realize the situation the Dodgers are now in, and to take that for, you know, take it for the team basically uh, is just, you know, stand up, stand up guy, stand up uh, situation. And, and, you know, we give props to him. So, Thank you, Miguel Rojas, for, uh, you know, being super committed to the Dodgers. All right. So, like Jeff mentioned, Scott Boris talked about Cody Bellinger and kind of how things played out with him and the Dodgers this offseason. And one interesting thing is that Boris said that he didn't – he honestly didn't believe the Dodgers were going to non-tender Bellinger. He said, quote, the truth of it is until he was non-tendered, I really did not have a lot of conversations with the Dodgers because I felt it was rather a matter of fact that he would continue with them because they had the rights over him. I had no idea they would non-tender him. Now, whether, I don't know, you know, were the Dodgers not talking to Boris specifically, were the Dodgers not talking to Boris or Bellinger, you know, were they both caught off guard? Not entirely sure, but for the agent, or, you know, I don't I don't know if Boris is directly Bellinger's agent or if Bellinger has an agent in the Boris corporation. And then, you know, Scott Boris can can lend a hand whenever he needs to. I'm not entirely sure how that works either. But for Scott Boris, not to or to believe that the Dodgers weren't gonna non-tender him or not to know that the Dodgers were gonna non-tender him is interesting. Um, the other part that Boris said was that he believed the Dodgers kind of priced or didn't have the correct value for Bellinger. He said 11 teams contacted him regarding Bellinger the day he was let go. You know, as we know, Bellinger eventually signed a one-year $17.5 million deal with the Cubs. Boris said, quote, the marketplace was very different as to what the Dodgers thought Cody's value was. And, you know, this makes sense because 
obviously the Dodgers, I don't think they would have thought Bellinger was going to get 17 million guaranteed for one year. Um, I do believe they maybe would have thought he got 17 million guaranteed in a multi-year deal, you know, more than 17 million in a multi-year deal, uh, but not for like an, an average annual value of over 17 million. And I'm sure the Dodgers did want to bring Bellinger back at their price. And clearly that price was, was lower than, than what the market had for him and they didn't work out. But, you know, I don't feel like, you know, Boris is saying it in the sense like, Oh, you know, the Dodgers kind of made a mistake and, and overplayed their hand. I don't necessarily see it that way. You know, the Dodgers could have easily just, tendered him a contract, paid him whatever he got in arbitration. And, you know, this would have been the final year with the Dodgers in terms of before hitting free agency. And that would have been, you know, the easy way to go about it. Now, you know, we're still not entirely clear or sure if the Dodgers were really trying to get under the luxury tax. If, you know, Trevor Bauer's suspension had been held up and they didn't have to pay him. And if that would have happened, then, yeah, they, they would be, you know, under the luxury tax or close to it at this point with some of the guys they've brought in, not knowing that it's hard to say like, Oh yeah, the Dodgers, you know, price themselves out because they can afford 17 million. Then they could have done it, but you know, maybe it was a matter of, they didn't believe in him anymore. They didn't believe that he brought the value of $17 million. And that's, you know, kind of where the Dodgers are different than some teams. Obviously the Dodgers pay a lot more than, than some teams and some teams kind of let their guys walk for, for less than that. But it's also a matter of if you're not going to bring the value that you have from your contract, then the Dodgers don't necessarily, you know, we've seen the Dodgers, they've rarely overpaid for anybody. Um, and if they have overpaid in the sense of actual dollar amount, it was in the sense of low or less years in the, in the you know, the Trevor Bauer case, they paid him a lot of money, but it was less years. Obviously it didn't work out at all for any party, but, that's kind of what we've seen or what we've heard in terms of the rumors in the past few years is they go higher average annual value for less years. Nobody's really taken it other than Trevor Bauer. And that was more so because he didn't really have the market like some of the other guys had that took the longer term deals for a lot of money with some of these other teams. When it comes to Bellinger, I think it was a matter of, you know, they don't think he was worth $17 million. They probably they probably did think that they could get him back for cheaper or at least, you know, be in the market to be competitive for him in a, in a cheaper salary range. Didn't quite work out. I don't, you know, believe really the Dodgers are have any regrets or anything in a certain sense. I just believe it's one of those things where it didn't work out and Cody Bellinger moved on. And, and you know, now he's with the Cubs and the Dodgers are, yeah, still trying to figure out their center field situation. And, and it would have been it's one of those things where they still don't have a, a set center fielder or, or know exactly how the center field, how they're going to man it this season. But even if you stick Cody Bellinger out there for 150 games next year, you know what you're getting defensively, but you don't know what you're going to get offensively. And, and realistically what they have right now, you know, patched together would probably be better offensively than Cody Bellinger was. It, it's not that hard to be, worse offensively than Bellinger's been the last couple of years. So defensively is where they may miss him, but you know, the combination of guys that they have, James Outman made a nice play in the outfield this, uh, the other day in spring, Jason Hayward made a nice play in center field, you know, this spring, they have guys that can hold down the position, maybe not quite to the level that Bellinger did, but they could also benefit more offensively and, and get the offense that they didn't get from him in the past. So, yeah, um, 
you know, like I said, I, I think Boris maybe thinks the Dodgers regret it a little bit. I don't think the Dodgers necessarily regret it. I just think it's a matter of, hey, you know what? Are we wrongly assessed the value that we thought? Or other teams just, you know, as we've seen in free agency a lot, it's not that guys deserve necessarily like deserve the money they get. It's always one team's going to outbid everybody else. And, you know, we saw with Corey Seager. You no, know, I don't think anyone thought Corey Seager would get the contract that he got. And, you know, the Rangers were willing to pay and they paid him. And, you know, there's been different teams, you know, the Mets last year with Scherzer and, and the Dodgers were in on Scherzer as well, but the Mets made him an offer of that much more money. And, you know, did it make sense for the Dodgers in terms of what they assess? And I don't know if they'll ever be a high bidder on a player. You know, do they ever believe that they'll be a highest bidder for a player or get into a bidding war? I don't know. We haven't seen it. The guys that they did sign to longer term deals, Mookie Betts wasn't a free agent. So they were negotiating exclusively with him. And even then Mookie Betts' deal is still a lot of money. And, and you know, we, we talked a lot about the, the number of years and the and the amount of money that guys were getting this offseason. Mookie Betts was right there, you know, 12 years, uh, you know, 300 plus mil. So it, it's not like it was completely out of the realm. And then with, with Freddie Freeman, it was so late in the offseason that they weren't necessarily competing with anybody. They weren't competing with the Braves. Uh, the Rays were another team mentioned, but, you know, the Dodgers realistically cannot spend the Rays. And there wasn't really too many other teams that were in need of a first baseman or looking to spend that much money on a first baseman. So we haven't really seen them be the highest bidder in terms of getting into a bidding war. I don't know if we ever will. The Dodgers seem pretty set in their ways. It's worked out for the most part for them. Obviously, you know, there's bumps and bruises here and there. And and obviously the shortstop position right now is one of those where people are kind of concerned that the Dodgers didn't go after a, a premier shortstop. But regardless, you know, of they could have signed Trey Turner. They could have signed, you know, Xander Bogarts. They could have signed one of these guys. It wouldn't have prevented injury and, all you would have been doing is preventing another player. You know, it's one of those where eventually you got to let the kids play or, or figure out what they're going to do. You know, Gavin Lux at second base and another, if they would have signed one of the four shortstops at shortstop, but then now Miguel Vargas doesn't necessarily have a spot to play. And, you know, you're impeding a guy that you want to see if he can be a, a major league caliber player. So whatever the case is, you know, Bellinger just didn't quite work out. I don't think that the Dodgers are, gonna handle it or are regretting it so um moving on dave roberts was on the dan patrick show again uh as you remember he was on the dan patrick show last year and he made the prediction that he guaranteed the dodgers were going to win the world series this year he did not do the same he said he said quote it's media i get it dan i'm not going to say we're going to win the world series in 2023 i still believe that i really do and i don't think there's a manager that has a really competitive team that doesn't feel that way and basically, that's what it comes down to. Like, if you're a manager of a team that is going to, you know, has postseason aspirations, why wouldn't you believe your team's going to win the World Series? Now, putting it out there in those bold face letters of I guarantee we're going to win the World Series. The only backlash is from, you know, well, the media puts it out there, but the backlash comes from the fact of if you don't win it, you're going to have people making fun of you and realistically if i'm a player on the team i want my manager to believe that we're going to win the world series and i don't think that's you know a, a big conference i don't think that's a that's a you know a take a hot take um you know do some you know the jinx is real or you know people believe the jinx is real and you put saying things out there it's funny because like 
in sports, it's Jinx. And then in life, the last, you know, few years or so, putting things out there into the world, it's called manifesting. Um, so, you know, Dave Roberts could have been manifesting rather than jinxing. But regardless of it, there's really no benefit to saying that other than if you are right and your team does win the World Series, you'll get, you know, bragging rights over random strangers in media and fans and everything else. So to have it out there. I don't have an issue with him saying it. I've truly, you know, that's what he believes. He 100% believes that Dave Roberts believes that I was going to win the World Series. I 100% believe every guy in that locker room should believe the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. But, you know, to put it out there, to get it out there into the the, you know, the media landscape, the media world, just doesn't always quite work out. And last year didn't work out. He's not going on record saying it this year, although he did say that he believes that they are going to win. He's just not going to say guaranteed or he's not going to put it out there in one easy digestible quote. So I don't have an issue with it. Uh, but I guess in the sense of I am one of those guys that maybe don't jinx it, uh, the fact that he didn't say it isn't the worst thing. I don't know. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. With Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On based Fantasy Baseball wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's also where you can find us. Um, wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube, simply by searching for Locked on Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio on Twitter. If you need to get a hold of us, we are also on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. The DMs are open on all those accounts if you need to get a hold of us. You can also get a hold of us via email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com or via voicemail text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device play podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.